I'm your host, Not For Possession, Narcissa DeVille. And I'm your co-host, Adrienne, the happy sassy bee. And welcome to the Dead Dads Club. Hi guys, it's Narcissa. And Sassy B. <laughs> and in this first episode, we're going to start by talking about what the Dead Dads Club is, and then we're going to get into sort of our dark humor and grieving process and all that kind of I'll stuff. I'll give you a hint. It's morbid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, that's accurate, but that's not, I don't think that really tells them, like, how this came to be and what it is. So I kind of thought I would start by kind of explaining maybe my story and kind of just meld everyone in. Um, so basically the name was kind of an inside joke, which I, I was not aware, but mom told me that it actually was from Grey's Anatomy. It's the name of the episode where George's dad died. Oh, is it? It's, yeah. oh wow. Okay. Well, that was unintentional. Um, I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan, but I haven't watched it in like years. Um, but what happened was, so, um, basically in the, over the last five years, um, two of my best friends and myself all lost our fathers pretty much at the tail end of February. Yeah. <laughs> February is not our favorite month. Tail end of February, all within five years of each other. And it's really, really crazy how that ended up. Um, and the first friend, I'm not going to mention his name because obviously he wasn't able to be here. I don't know scheduling if he'll ever be able to be here. Hopefully he will because I think it'd be really cool. I think um, it'd be fun to have him. Yeah, but he was the first of us to lose his father. And he lost his father to prostate cancer, which he was dealing with for a long time. Um, that was about when we were 21. And then how old were you? I was 20 when my dad died. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not that much younger than I'm me, though. I'm a year younger than you. Oh, okay. But I was okay. 20 when my dad died. Okay, so he he wasn't first, though, because I knew you. No, he wasn't first. No, his, I'll edit it. his dad definitely died before mine did. Okay. But I was only 20. It was right mm. after I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. What? Seven months before I turned 21. Hmm. Because I know he had just turned 21. Or maybe I was 20. No, I wasn't 21 yet. Oh, yeah. He had just turned 21, and I would have been 22 then, because he's younger than me. So that mathematically doesn't add up. Maybe I was 21. Maybe I'm confused. Maybe I don't know how old I am. <laughs> You're 25. Second. How I long was, has it been? I was 21. Yeah, how long I has it been? I was 21, four years. Okay, it's been... Wow. Okay, so his was, like, immediately after... So I think you it was guys like a year after his. Okay, so you I thought it was really close. Okay, so you guys were like a year apart. I knew that sounded about right. So you were 21 and then mine just happened at the tail end of February, kind of early March depending on who you ask, and that was <laughs> What's funny? Depending on who you ask. Depending on where, if you decide when he actually died or when the body was found. Well, and that's that's kind of the problem. My father was living alone at the time. So we found out, I found out on March 2nd. But technically he was not at work, I think, for the 27th and 28th. So mm -hmm. we think it probably happened somewhere around then and they just didn't find him until later a few days later so it's kind of like one of those things um but basically within the span of five years 
uh, all three of us lost our fathers. Now, you guys have a different scenario because you were really close to your fathers. Yes. Um, Accurate. I was not at all. You know, my father and I had a very, very complex relationship, which I know I will get into throughout this series. But, I mean, the reality is I did not have a close relationship with my father. So my personal grieving process has been really complicated and it's not even been a full month as of this taping i think it's been well yeah it's it's the the 30th 30th. yeah so it's been it's been basically the better part of a month um for me it's been four years for you it's been five years for our other friend so it's kind of one of those things where it's like i'm still kind of in the midst of figuring out a lot of things and i'm still in like it feels very surreal You're still in the infancy stages of grief. Sure, let's go with... You're still a baby. Yeah, let's go with that. And, you know, the thing of it is, though, I think for me is I'm very... It's hard because, you know, one of the things I came to the conclusion of was my father was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde character. So, you know, there are some memories that I have of him that are good and nice and fun. But then there are memories and things I've been told about him, which are very, very dark and fucked up. And I think for me, it's been very, very confusing and very, very difficult because I'm trying to not rationalize. I'm trying to reconcile these two different parts of my father And the fact that he was, by and large, not a great person. And yet, you know, at my work, there are so many people who knew him because he we happened to work at the same job. And, you know, he was kind of beloved by quite a few people there, which is a completely different experience from what I myself had. And so, you know, they had a completely different experience. And then at his funeral, I think two weeks ago or something like that, you know, everyone was sort of acting like he wasn't the way he was, which is very bizarre to me, and I didn't understand. I think the thing is, when you go to a funeral, you're not supposed to talk about how shitty of a person they are. You're supposed to find every little nitpicky thing that they did that was good. See, but I don't agree with that. I, you know, I agree with you. One of the <laughs> things I did, and I don't know if this was part of my grieving or just something I wanted to do, but one of the things I did was um, I watched the episode of Queer as Folk where Brian lost his father because I feel like his father and my relationship with my father, we're very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes he says in that episode is, if you didn't earn respect when you were alive, you don't deserve it when you die. And I very firmly believe that. And you can tell that people weren't really willing to lie that hard because nobody did a eulogy at my father's funeral. They asked and literally everyone turn to look at me and I'm like don't fucking look at me I ain't gonna do it no and I was thinking about it because I'm sick and twisted and I was like what would I even say and I wrote some things down and I feel like if my family ever hears this they are not going to be amused with this but that's also not our problem well but it's also it's what reality is and so I was thinking about it and I was like okay What are the great memories? Okay. What are some great, 
family-friendly memories of my father. You know, like the, the kids' time- bop version, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. Like the time he broke his own mother's arm or punched his sister in the face or the many, many holidays during my childhood he ruined or the fact that he felt the need to teach me that all women were evil whores growing up and said very specifically that if he ever had a daughter, he would tell her that. And yet when I transitioned, never said it once. But I think there was also, you know, the fact that he handed a loaded nine to a four-year-old me just to prove a point, threatened to break my mother's arm or the time he tied me to a high chair with balloon string to sleep off a drunk drug binge. That was fun. I'm sure that was super. Now I know why you don't like being tied up. Probably. That's probably exactly what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, and you know, that's not to say there were not some good memories in there. Obviously, you know, um, you know, I remember our first time moving up here, or first time moving up here, when we first moved up here that summer in 2001, and we had kind of a really great adventurous summer, and we made like this vacation movie, and it was great, and it was fun, and it was cute, and that's lovely. And then I remember one time, you know, he let me skip school so we could go to Disneyland during a school day, and it was raining, so there was nobody there, and this was like back in the 90s, so that, that would perfect. never happen today. But it was like one of those things. And that was so much fun. Oh, half the rides were closed. So I don't think it mattered. But anyway, I remember those moments. But it's like, I don't feel that those moments that are few and far between erase the better part of 21 years where I actually gave a shit of him being an asshole. True. And I remember one of the last moments of me like really giving a shit about him as a person was we had, he and his mother were living together at that point and they were going religiously to the strip to have dinner. And there was a point when, you know, I was hanging out with them and we were going out to dinner. It was super fun and whatever, but he had become, you know, he was always kind of an asshole, but he was like extra ornery because of his COPD. It made him have to stop a lot. Um, the medication he was on made him have to pee a lot. So he was just really fucking bitchy. And I remember we got into this huge fight and, um, essentially what happened was, I I don't even remember what was said, but he said something and I was like, Oh my God, just shut up. And I, edited myself because I came very, very close to saying, shut the fuck up. But I somehow edited myself to just say, just shut up. And he turned around and he was like, excuse me, bitch. And I lost my ever loving mind. I saw red. I was like, you want to fucking go? I'm like, you have COPD. I can take you out. Don't fuck with me. I was so livid. And I remember there was a point he went to the bathroom And me and my grandmother were sitting by like a fountain. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And she turned to me and she said, you do what you have to do. And shortly thereafter, she also left. And so I think part of the reason she has had such a particularly difficult time with this is because she feels so guilty about. Yeah. Which it's, you know, here's my thing, though. You cannot take responsibility for the fact that this person pushes or pushed 
every single person in his life away that cared about him. That's what he did. He pushed people away and pushed people away. And so he died with no one. And the only person whose fault that is, is his own. I agree. Now, yes, it's devastating because it's still a human being. It's devastating because technically they are still one of my parents. At the same time, it's frustrating because, you know, there's so many things for me to unpack about who this person was. Mm -hmm. And I guess... I don't know if we've got into any of the like grieving and coping things. I guess we are because I'm still trying to figure out how I don't, it's weird. Somewhere in my head, I've decided that I haven't, I'm not grieving properly the way everyone thinks I should, because I feel like a lot of people who work with me feel like I should be very overly emotional and very like sad mm-hmm. because they don't know the side of him that I know, which is that he was kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. And there is part of me that is sad at times. You know, one of my grieving strategies was when we were driving to California on uh, for the funeral, I was listening to music that he enjoyed that I also enjoyed and I was kind of raised on. And it was that very 80s punk music. And, you know, it, it's music that I grew up with, but now has a completely different meaning. But, you know, I listened to that song, like, on repeat the entire five-hour drive because I just, you know, it was weird. And there was a part of me that teared up a little bit because, you know, you do remember the good things. Despite all of his faults and all of his bullshit, you know, he was there and he helped me with the paperwork to do my name change when I transitioned. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he really tried to be more of a father once I was starting my transition more than he ever did beforehand, which is odd to me because he was obsessed with the fact that I was like the firstborn son, whatever the fuck that means. Like he was obsessed with that growing up. And yet here we are not anyone's son. (laughs) I never was though. I mean, I, I tried to be, uh, you know, but it was like, I spent so much of my life, afraid of this man and trying to, you know, have a relationship with him and trying to be this perfect child. And I never felt like I could do that. And so there is a part of me that feels like maybe is devastated because I wasted so much of my time trying to do that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's kind of like, it's been a lot of struggle of like trying to figure out how do I balance all of these things? And I'm sorry, I feel like you haven't really had much time to talk. That's fine. You know I don't talk a whole lot anyway. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, you do on the podcast a little bit. Uh, I think it's kind of funny the way that you're talking about how some people choose to remember things differently mm-hmm. than others. And that when I was sitting here thinking about it, I think about something that my mom says a lot, Mm -hmm. that if you talk to me, I have two brothers, Mm -hmm. if you talk to me, if you talk to my little brother, and if you talk to my older brother, it sounds like we have three separate parents, Mm -hmm. three separate fathers, Mm -hmm. because I choose, it's not that I don't remember all the bad shit, Mm -hmm. I choose to share the good shit. Okay. My little brother is kind of a mixture of both, like he'll share some good things that'll happen, Mm -hmm. and he'll share some pretty shitty things that happened and you know he got the least amount of time with my dad yeah 
my dad was already sick when he was born. Like, yeah. So, like, he doesn't remember a lot of, like, the vacations and mm-hmm. stuff like that, like I do. And then my older brother and my dad fought. They butted heads mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, when you talk to him, my dad sounds like the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> I yeah. swear to God, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what are you saying right now? Yeah. I think a lot of that had to do with, like, I was the closest one to him. Yeah. Because he was an artist. Yeah. Which I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like... Neither of my brothers. My brothers are both, like, stupid, sporty people. Don't make the face. Because if you make the face, I won't be able to keep talking. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> because both my brothers were super sporty people. Mm-hmm. And my dad... My I'm dad wasn't... Look away. My dad wasn't into sports, like, at all. Like, his sports get ball. He didn't like any of it. So me! <laughs> oh, my God. So, it's weird that, you, that people talk about it, but I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Because I... Glob on to yeah. Waking up Saturday morning at three in the fucking morning because my dad's a psycho. Going, hey, let's get in the car and go somewhere. We never fucking knew where we were going. I we see, packed a bag and we left. See, <laughs> I love that sort of thing. I think that's great. I guess what's interesting is you know I I feel bad because here you're already crying. It's been less than twenty minutes, <laughs> but for me, I don't. I don't have many of those memories. I don't really have a lot of memories of childhood anyway, because, you know, my parents got divorced it's when I was... It's trauma. Yeah, it's it's the trauma. That's why I'm so mature for my age. No, but, you know, you have to understand, my parents divorced when I was four years old, and their divorce was ugly. Their divorce was disgusting, traumatic. I mean, he made it that way. He made it very, very, very ugly. He did things which, you know, no human person should do to another human person. Yeah. In the way in which the divorce was handled. And somehow, my mother being the amazing person that she is, was able to move past that. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, here's the thing. And this, sh- this should tell you everything you need to know. My immediate thought... When I hugged my mother after we found out and I told her, my immediate thought that popped in my head was, we're finally free. Oh. And it was the most, it was the strangest thought because I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Seriously. But it was the immediate thought that popped into my head. That's crazy. And she's been able to get over it. She's been able to you know, move past everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. And I have, I think, to an extent. But, you know, when that is all you've ever known, your childhood was entirely made up of these horrible moments Mm -hmm. of him. You know, I remember my parents fighting. I remember very little of their marriage, but I remember them fighting. Yeah. I remember him fighting with his second wife, saying that he was just like my mother and saying that, she was this and this and that. And, you know, hearing the word cunt at six years old, not having a clue what it meant, but knowing it was not a good word. Let me tell you. We're taking it back. Yeah, well, it's a comma for me now, but that's not the point. <laughs> you know, it's it's the point of all of these things, you know, very traumatizing. And I remember for some odd reason, he... uh he did this thing where he 
recorded the movie The Exorcist onto the end of their wedding video, which she called the before and after, and made me watch it at like 13. And at the time, I was very devoutly Catholic, so terrified that I was going to become possessed just from watching the movie. Oh my god. Like, I was literally sitting with a rosary in my hand. That's how terrified I was. Oh my god. I know, and that's so hard to believe because now that's like my favorite movie. I know. Uh, that it was terrifying That's at the tragic time to me yeah it was ter- like there was whole scenes i like couldn't watch i was so scared because i was like 12 or 13 years old and now here i am realizing that i've been possessed my whole life <laughs> right well i am the devil so i mean really you know Which we can't both be the devil listen you can't be I a will host fight you. not for possession ah! and be the devil well how am i uh, but i'm not really a host for possession if i am the devil you can't possess the devil I want to be the devil. Fight me. Well, I always say I'm the devil's mistress, so I think that is fitting. Works. <laughs> Everybody's happy. <laughs> but as just to give you an idea of where this show is going to go, uh, this is a little taste, I feel. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> but, you know... Oh, I threw up in my mouth. Excuse me. Talking about your dad will do that. Fucking right. <laughs> but I feel like this is... I, I feel like dark humor is definitely the crux of who we are. Oh yeah. And I think that was before, well, for me, it was before my dad died. I don't know about. Um, yeah, I've always coped with dark humor. Yeah. But this was the first like major death for me too, which is really, really strange. You know, my mother is someone who lost her own mother at nine, lost her father at 24, something like that. Maybe 20. I may be mistaken. I think it's 20. Um, so she lost both of her parents before she was where I am now. And so I didn't ever know them. I didn't ever have to deal with their funeral. I think I had my great grandfather's funeral was like the only major funeral. And then mm-hmm. um, our friend's dad's funeral. I never went to yours because it was in Reno or the fuck. Podunk. Yeah, Podunk. Um, it was actually inside of a hospital. That's interesting. In Reno. Oh, okay. It was the hospital that he worked at. We had it in Aww. the chapel of his hospital. Well, that's sweet. So, I mean, for you guys, I, I mean, I wasn't there for that. So that wasn't a big funeral that I went to. So going to my father's funeral, which, by the way, was the first time I was in a Catholic church in the better part of a decade. Oof. How I didn't burst into flames, I'm still not sure. Your demon stayed home that day. I guess. God damn it. Which explains my reaction. And so, why you were so nice to your <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, we'll get into that next. So, first of all, let me just back up a second. So, to make things really, really annoying, um, the funeral took place two weeks after he died, which was obnoxious, but, you know... Money had to be taken up. It was a whole big thing. Um, so the funeral takes place two weeks later. Apparently the funeral home that got him initially, which it was in Vegas called Heights. And I mentioned that because they're a piece of shit. And if you ever have someone die, don't let them go there. Actually, I've been told Davis is also shit. Um, so I guess it just depends. I think I heard Palm is the only one that's any good out here. That'd be the only one I'd go to. I, well, frankly, for me, not for me, but like if anyone else I know, I'd want them to go to California anyway, because I'm all about um, hydrocremation and I want to go to Undertaking LA. So 
that's a whole other story. I'm obsessed with that. But, uh, which my father was too, so that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, two weeks. So they did not do his... Um, embalming. Embalming for two weeks. So by the time they did the open casket, he looked like shit. He looked 190. He was like this big he was like a little fucking mummy it was so i was like who the fuck is this he looked like not even a person he looked like a mannequin like it was so waxy and disgusting and i was like but here's something that i (coughs) found out did they fly your yes father to california yes because uh you can't fly a body that's been embalmed I thought you can't fly a body that hasn't been embalmed. That's what I've heard. You can't fly one that has because the liquid inside of it, inside of the body, will bloat. And it could literally cause his body to explode. I mean, would we know? Would that be the worst? Well, They'd have to have a closed casket. There'd be no viewing. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have minded that. I just feel like it's one of those things that if I had ever wanted to... Like, if I had ever been close to the man and this was the last image I had of him, I'd be fucking furious. I'm still furious because it's like haunting my nightmares. Oh God. This image, it was so gr- I wish I could like take a, uh, just pull your memory out. And yeah. Stick it in a pensive. That's the one pensive. I wish I could just pull the memory out and stick it in a pensive and you could see my horror. Cause <laughs> it was, it was horrible. And so of course, you know, at the funeral, my grandmother is still struggling with the whole, I, she ignores it. Let me be honest. She completely ignores the whole transition. And so she dead named me no less than five times in a full dress in like, I wasn't wearing heels cause I decided I didn't care enough. Um, but I was in a black dress. Like I was fully female and she's still dead naming me, which for those of you who don't know, um, dead name is not an ironic take on. It's not a funny it's not a funny dead naming is when someone calls you your birth name when that is not the name that you've chosen for yourself. Um, so Narcissa is my, not only my chosen name, it's also my legal name. I paid a lot of money for that to become my legal name. You know, my father helped me with the paperwork to ensure that that would be my legal name. Like all of my information says that name. So the fact that she still calls me my birth name or my dead name really bothers the shit out of me Mm -hmm. but it's like it's kind of one of those things where I'm very much about picking your battles and you know I find it very hard to argue with a 70 some odd year old woman who just lost her son um that's the best kind of battle (laughs) maybe see I'm the same way I like to pick my battles I won't I won't choose a battle that I won't win which is why I never turn down a battle yeah um (laughs) Well, and that's, I like that. I think my thing was, I just didn't want to be a bitch. I wasn't going to fight with a woman who just lost her son, who, I mean, literally, when when we were at the viewing, she was fine. Like, completely fine. So, we're at the viewing, she's totally fine. And then the next day for the actual funeral mass... We get there, we go to the back where the casket is, and she's totally fine. You know, she's talking. It's whatever. And then they tell us to put this shroud over it. I don't know. I've never been to a Catholic mass that required that. But there was like this like shroud thing that we put on it. Hmm. 
with a cross and shit. And uh, we're putting this on and all of a sudden it's like the floodgates open and she is literally sobbing. And I was like... So it hit her in waves. Literally. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. But I'm the sort of person that I'm very, very empathetic, much to my chagrin. Um, I'm very empathetic. That's unfortunate. And so she's sobbing and naturally I start crying. And so we're walking into this church with the entirety of the church staring at us as we're following a casket sobbing. I'm like, this is great. This is just what I wanted to be watched as a quarter full church like it was it was it was fairly empty but not looking at me because i could burst into flames at any moment and i'd rather that be private Ah, right i mean but that's how i felt like it was so mortifying and so you know we got to the pew as they call it i don't ask me why (laughs) we got to that and we sit down and everything's fine oh no we had to stand for like the first 10 minutes or some shit. And then sit down and then kneel. Yeah. And stand and sit down and kneel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah, a nightmare. Like... It's a nightmare. But anyway. um, And you know what's funny about that is one of my thoughts was I was like, damn, for somebody who makes a lot of slut jokes about myself, I am not good on my knees right now. <laughs> I was like, I am struggling. Well, who wants to be on their knees at church? That priest like was really priest, fucking hot, though. If the priest isn't right in front of me, and I'm at he was time, really fucking hot, like though. I would have. I'm not an altar boy, so I don't. Ah! I, guess I was. I ah! was an altar server, and let me tell you, there were no sexy priests, and nothing happened. But I was an altar Boo. server, and it's funny because the altar servers for this church were 110. I was like, that's weird. Probably for reasons. Yeah, probably. I mean, that priest was hot. I would have let him do anything to me, but that's not the point. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking, we're talking, (laughs) derailed. We're talking about the fact that, um, so, you know, I'm hugging my grandmother. I'm holding on to her, rubbing her back, you know, trying to be comforting. Trying to make sure she's all right. Yeah. Make sure she doesn't die at the funeral. And that girl, we were worried. And then, you know, it seemed to be around that every song that started playing, it seemed to really hit her. I noticed like every time they played a song, it's just like, just sobbing. And literally, I'm holding on to this woman. So she was possessed. <laughs> the demon was trying to leave, and it was trapped in the church. Got it. <laughs> the demon left me, entered her. That that explains the shaking, too. Because she's, like, crying, and she's like this. Oh, my God. I was like, I feel so terrible. So I'm, like, holding on to her, sobbing myself. I'm like, this is... Everything's fine. It's, it was awful. And... You know, so we go up for communion, which I'm obviously not taking. So they're like, if you go up, because you could just sit there, but they're like, oh, my aunt was like, oh, just go up and get a blessing. I was like, if I must. And of course, they tell you, if you're not getting, um, if you're not taking the Eucharist, go like this. Look like you're a fucking dead body and cross your arms across your all right shoulders. I was like, I feel like I'm making fun of my dead father, but this is fine. Which he was, not, his hands were down here. I was bothered. Mm. And in gloves. I was like, what kind of Mickey Mouse? It's because their hands turn like purple. It's hard to fix. Yeah, well, I was like, this is some Mickey Mouse bullshit. But I guess it worked because he also liked the Air Force. He was in uh, military school as a young person. So I guess that's. All right. 
whatever. Anyway, so he's giving me this blessing and I see my grandmother, who was right next to me, go this way after she'd gotten her. So I was like, yeah, thanks. I gotta go. I was like halfway through his blessing. I walk off because I'm like trying to chase this old woman down who's like slowly hunching her way towards the pew again. And I'm, <laughs> but I'm trying to be comforting to her because, <laughs> well, no, here's the gag. So when, for years I used to tell her, I'd like rubber back and I was like, what the fuck? Like in her lower back, she had like, it felt like fucking cement in her lower back. Turns out, uh, scoliosis. Oh. Which is why she was always hunched over. I was like, oh shit. Okay. I hope that's not, I must said contagious. I, <laughs> I hope that's not contagious because I touched her back. <laughs> I hope that's not hereditary. Um, I don't think scoliosis is. Because I have a lot of back pain and I was like, God damn it. I swear to God. Oh my God. I can't believe so I started laughing I in the middle of your story. Yes, I noticed um, that. I was thinking about weird uh, things that happen mm-hmm. at like big events, like where oh we stand in line and shake people's hands. Like that's stupid. Number one, oh like, yeah, don't touch me. Um, I luckily didn't have to do that. But I started thinking about weddings for some reason. Uh huh. And you know how at weddings they like poke. People, ah, you're next. <laughs> what if you would have done that at a funeral? Like, it's not. I've there heard that joke things. before. There is, Poking but, your grandma. Yeah, but I started, You're next. Ah! <laughs> like, I started thinking about it while you were talking. I thought about that joke and I was like, oh my oh God. Oh my God, I love it. I, you know, I mean, oh God, that's so fucked up and so us. Um,. I mean, you know, I it, but it's the whole thing was just very like so emotionally draining. Yeah, and not it, to mention you had to be around people. Well, yeah, that was that was pretty awful. But you know what was the most annoying was I was literally his child, and the only child that was there. He only has me and my brother. But I have a question. Yes, I, you're probably not gonna. Have, does his other ex wife know? Well, well, here's, here's, I actually do have an answer to that. So, um, we asked at the funeral and my aunt said she found her on Facebook. She contacted her and left her like three messages. She did not respond. So she probably doesn't care because he was garbage. Yeah. And I mean, that's fair. I mean, I was sad because I was hoping that I was going to see my brother, but that's neither here nor there. But it was funny because I'm at this funeral. I am clearly the daughter completely ignored. I think one person hugged me and asked me how I was doing and all that shit. Like mostly I was just ignored. And I was like, okay, fine. You know what? Whatever. But the thing that annoys me about it the most is like, I may not have been close with my father, but he did accept my transition. Mm -hmm. So the least you people could do is acknowledge me. The absolute least. Because I came here for y'all. I didn't come here for me. This doesn't do shit for me. But make you look at a body. Yeah. Like, ugh, I was so annoyed with that. So, you know, anyway, back to the whole grieving thing. Um, listening to music that he and I both loved. Watching um, Ask a Mortician because we both really loved that. And uh, I did write a letter to my father, which... 
I, f- I think could have been my eulogy. <laughs> Ooh. Um, the only reason I would not is because the letter literally ends rotten hell, you miserable bastard. But hmm. people That's probably wouldn't... not the best thing to say inside of a Catholic church. <laughs> ah! No. No. I'm pretty sure you'd get kicked out. Probably, yeah. Would that have been the worst thing? No, but I, I you know, it was one of those, th- I'm sure my family would have been, been a- <gasps> moment. My family would have been out of it the church. It would have been a gag and a half. But see, here's the thing. Again, it goes back to, I was feeling, uh, because a lot of my feelings throughout all of this have been a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, yeah, it's mixed with a little bit of sadness, but it's more like, it's just so much frustration and bullshit nonsense. I mean, I have never, the amount of fuckery that I had to deal with for this funeral was unbelievable. And not just at the funeral, leading up to it. You know, the fact that, you know, Heights was garbage and I go down there and the lady was such a bitch to me. And she's like, I'm sorry. Did you like call anyone? Did you make an appointment? I was like, no, I wasn't aware I had to. She goes, so you just had someone in your family die and you just showed up here. I was like, where the fuck am I supposed to go, bitch? Like, Like, where am I supposed to go? I was told by my aunt who was in contact with this shithole that all I had to do was come down and sign this paper. They go, well, that's an ex parte and you have to do that through the courts. I said, fucking excuse me. What are you talking about? Now, obviously I was a lot nicer than that, but in my head, I'm like, I wouldn't have been, you know, I think honestly I was in way too much shock because I was like, how the fuck am I at a funeral home right now? And this woman is acting like I'm, interrupting her life. I swear to God, I'm going to create a Yelp just so I can review this place. And I didn't even deal with them. That is so funny. I've heard the reviews of it are very, very mixed. And she's like, well, you have to talk to your uh, mortician or whatever. I don't think that's right. I think it's funeral director. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wasn't aware we had a funeral director. He's not staying here. Like, what the fuck kind of... I was like, okay. So they get them on the phone. They're like, oh, yeah, I just have to fax over this paper. You just have to sign, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. Seems really fucking simple, you think. I signed that to transfer him out of this funeral home. And it was the most I have ever felt like I was the parent of a kindergartner signing my child out of school early. So I do that. Then I get a text from my aunt. Well, the funeral home taking him will not touch him without you signing a affidavit or whatever the fuck, something that had to be notarized saying that you're handing over rights to his mother. I was like, Oh, for fuck me. Why do you get rights is my question. Is it because you're his child? Yeah. I'm next of kin. So you automatically get like, that's dumb. What if you had no idea who this person was? I mean, I don't know how they decide, but I was next of kin. So I was the one expected to deal with all of this. So I was like, okay, fine. Go to UPS, sign the, have the thing notarized, whatever, mail it out. And then the next week, I think, is when we uh, had the actual funeral. So it was like all kinds of annoying fuck shit leading up to this whole thing. And then, of course, you have the actual funeral, which is annoying fuck shit on its own. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And now it's been, I don't know, uh, another week or two, something like that. And so I'm just kind of like coming down from all of it. It's sort of like, I don't know. It's, it's been a lot. Yeah. Um, so we also wanted to talk, of course, about your own grieving experience, because obviously your grieving experience was very different from mine. Well, yeah. I mean, I literally watched my dad die. I was yeah. in the room. Oh. Um, so it was a little weird. I remember everything being in slow motion at first. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember everything, but it was in slow motion. And... I remember getting to the waiting room of the fucking hospital, mm-hmm. and everybody kept coming up to me asking if I was okay. And I'm like, number one, who's okay? Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. would you be okay? And I started making jokes right there. In As the one does. Ho- right there in the waiting room <laughs> of, this fucking, of the hospital, which is a Catholic hospital, by the way. Uh, <laughs> cracking jokes, just making jokes and laughing, and everybody, nobody knew what to do, because nobody... Nobody wanted to laugh. No. Like, nobody wanted to laugh. That's ridiculous. I would have laughed with you. And uh, everybody is, like, super, like, uncomfortable because, like, they should be okay with me grieving in my own little way. Yeah. But they're like, I don't like what you're doing, like, making jokes. And can I just say, I am so already, it's been less than a month, I am already... So tired of hearing, how are you doing? Are you you okay? How are you dealing with everything? Don't fucking ask, honestly. Like, if we're close enough that I would tell you if there was something wrong, I would tell you. Otherwise, you don't need to know. Exactly. But my grieving process was a little weird. Because, obviously, I had to travel for... I went up there because he was sick. Yeah. And then I had to come back because work. Yeah. And then I needed to take three days off work for his... He didn't want a funeral. He was vehemently against funerals. Yeah. So we had a celebration of life. Mm-hmm. Which my mom's family came down, which made no sense, because he hated all of them. <laughs> and they made us sit in the very front pew. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, why do I have to sit in the front? Can I sit in the fucking back? Yeah. And, like, they made me, my brothers, my mom, like, we all had to sit right up fucking front, yep. front and center. Yep. That's what we had to do, too. And all these people that I've never met that he worked with started getting up and just making these cute little speeches. It was it was fun. Like, it was cute. Yeah. Like, there's certain songs I can't listen to at all now because they played them there. Um, I remember one of the ladies who got up there was a nurse that worked with my dad. Mm-hmm. And she told the story about... It was literally the year before he died. I went up there for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell anybody I was coming, especially him, because I got there on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And I bought a fucking balloon and, like, a card and some stupid shit. And I went to the hospital. Nobody knew I was coming. I just mm-hmm. walked up to the floor that he normally worked at, <laughs> like, assuming he'd be there. And I walked up to the desk, and um, Ellen, who was a nurse he'd worked with for probably 15 years, mm-hmm. and she knew me, we all grew up, we grew up at the fucking hospital, that's yeah. where they worked. So she saw me grow very up. Very Grey's Anatomy. Very much so. She saw me grow up, mm-hmm. so I when I showed up, she was like, oh my god. She was so excited, she asked me how I was, like all this shit. But she told the story about me surprising my dad for Father's Day, and... The only stories that got told were usually either 
my dad telling stories about his kids and how mm-hmm. proud he was of his kids, mm-hmm. or me. Like, just me. Whoops. <laughs> I-, I was the only one. Uh, <laughs> so it was a little weird. Yeah. Uh, lost my job. Yeah. For reasons. Illegal. Yeah. Um, We're not going to get into that. But when I got home, <clears throat> I didn't have a job, so I didn't have anything necessarily to do. Yeah. Well, we had a couch, we had cable, uh, we had Netflix. I remember I didn't sleep for like three weeks. Like, not even a sick... And I thought you died. Like, I was always told that if you don't sleep in seven days, you could potentially fucking die from it because sleep deprivation is a real actual problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had not slept unless I slept while actually up and doing things in eight solid months. I came home. I turned on Grey's Anatomy. Episode one, season one, I'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to choose that show? I'd wanted to watch it for a while, and it was either that or ER. Well, ER wasn't on Netflix, and I didn't know that it was on Hulu. Oh, Um, that's funny. So I was like, well, I guess I'll start a new show. I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. At least, you know, I've got time to kill. So, ah, bad choice (laughs) of words. So so I turned on season one, episode one of Grey's Anatomy, not knowing that it was going to be emotionally draining. So I'm laying there watching it. I finished, what, all six seasons that were on Netflix in two weeks. I didn't even think that was possible. No, I didn't that sounds think about right. there was enough time in actual days to finish it. So I remember just laying there on the couch, not sleeping. Justin would get up and go to work, come home. I'd have dinner ready because I became a your regular housewife, except real depressing. Like... <laughs> The de- depressed housewife. So that mean, sounds about right. I mean, 1950s housewife, but I also don't smoke, so there's nothing to stop my depression. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't have gin. Well, I had no alcohol in the house, actually. Oh, wow. There was none. That's a first. I <clears throat> would be up at like two in the morning because I didn't sleep for a solid month. And I made Je- uh, Justin lived with me mm-hmm. and Sh- Shantae lived with us at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd get up and make them both lunch to go to work. Literally, like, they'd have packed lunch yeah. to go to work with. And I was awake when they left, so I could tell them, hey, I made you lunch. <laughs> I didn't sleep. They didn't know that I didn't sleep. They just assumed that I slept during the day when nobody was home. Yeah, that's how I would do it. But I didn't. I just watched Grey's Anatomy some more. <laughs> so, <laughs> my grieving process was a little bit weird. In that, my grieving process was not thinking about anything. Yeah. I laid on the couch mindlessly watching this television show that was emotionally draining all by itself, let alone if you're in an emotional state to begin with. Yeah. Uh, So I'm just glad this us wasn't there yet. Oh, God. I'm glad that was I've never watched that and I have no desire to, but yes. Um, (laughs) So they just assumed that I'd been sleeping and then the entire month of March, I didn't sleep. And then April's kind of a hard month anyway. Which sucks, because Justin's birthday's in April. It's mm-hmm. right at the beginning, but my dad's birthday's right at the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, April was kind of rough that first year, because mm-hmm. I tried to force myself to be happy and, like, excited, because it was Justin's... No, it wasn't his 21st. It would have been his 22nd birthday. Mm-hmm. It was his birthday, and I always try... I go over the top for everything, like, yeah. especially birthday. Yeah. Uh, so I tried really hard, but it was kind of... It was hard on me. Yeah. And I finally slept, though, so there was that. Yeah. 
I think when I finally slept, I slept for like four days. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I don't think I actually started the actual grieving process. Like, I know that they tell you that there's seven stages of grief. Which I don't know if I believe, but okay. I do, because I've been through several of them. Hmm. But I didn't actually start the grieving process mm -hmm. for six months. Hmm. Like, I just ignored that it existed for half the year. It didn't hit me that it was a real thing <laughs> until I was getting ready to walk across the stage for graduation. Huh. And I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, what do I do now? Yeah. And that's when it... I got... <laughs> angry yeah and that still hits me in waves yeah which is it's rough yeah and if you're close to your parents like honestly like people tell you that it gets easier they're fucking full of shit no and clearly i've never lost someone no because it does not no and my mother <laughs> says even i mean being nine years old she's now 52 it's never gotten easier for her either exactly and I'm like, People tell you that, though, and I'm like, don't you fucking tell people that. That's a bullshit lie. I guess it depends. I mean, I'm hoping it will eventually be less annoying since I was not close to mine, like but I, I don't know. Like I said, it comes in waves. It, Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm getting that already. Well, the reason I don't fully believe, I mean, I do believe in some of the stages, but, like, I never went through denial. I... There's actually, if you look at the stages of grief, there's two different stages for each stage. Okay. There's either denial or there's something else. Okay. There's two different ones, though. Oh, I've and never heard that. You don't have to go through all seven stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Some people skip certain stages. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, everybody grieves differently, obviously. Yeah. Like, my older brother would, my older brother fully went through denial. Yeah. Um, whereas I never had denial because I knew my dad was dying when I went up there. Yeah. I think what's interesting, and actually on that note too, I think what's interesting is that, you know, mine was a little more sudden than yours and our friends was. Yeah. His was obviously the least sudden. True. Because that was coming on for, I think, the previous five years. And then mine was the most sudden, but also kind of expected because he had COPD. You know, he had these issues. I have heard you don't really live that long with COPD anyway. Mm -hmm. And his ended up being cardiomyopathy related to that. And um, when I did the research, I think they said 50 plus percent of people with COPD end up with cardiomyopathy issues. No. So it was kind of like pretty standard mm -hmm. um so mine was sudden but also not and it's interesting because i remember when um my friend i gotta find some name for him um when his dad was originally dying and it was a very drawn out process and i thought you know i almost feel like it's better when it's sudden because you're not watching them die for so long. And I remember that being so torturous for them and so difficult. Watching them suffer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember that being so torturous and so, like, nightmarish. So I thought, you know, it's almost better when it's sudden 
now having gone through it being sudden, I'm like, it's still weird. I don't think there's a better. No. Um. Well, now I. I think that. I always thought it would have been better as sudden. Yeah. Mine wasn't sudden. Like we saw it coming. Yeah. I don't think we thought it was going to happen as soon as it did. Yeah. But. But like, it's interesting you said, sorry, not to interrupt you, but it's interesting you said you knew when you went up there. Was it a foregone conclusion or was it 50-50? Like, uh, nobody thought he was going to be. Not even the doctors thought he was going to die. Oh. Um, you just knew. I knew. Yeah. Um, when my mom called me to tell me that she had to put him in a, an ambulance and that he was on life support, um, I knew. Yeah. Uh, Justin went through denial, which is weird. Mm. He tried telling me the whole time everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And I looked at him. I think we were halfway to Reno, which that's a uh, eight-hour drive. Yeah. That's a thrill. <laughs> we were halfway there, and I looked at him, and I went, my dad's dying. And he was like, he's not dying. We're going up there to see him. It's going to be fine. And I'm like... He's gonna die. Yeah. Like, I knew. Yeah. I don't know how I knew or why yeah. I knew. Because when I got there, the doctors were talking about how they were gonna wean him off life support and then he'd be fine. They were gonna start weaning him off life support on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then they were gonna put him, because he was on dialysis. Yeah. They were talking about how they were gonna wean him off of life support on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm here. I got there Saturday. Mm-hmm. I went in to see him. He was mad. He didn't say that he was mad because he had a tube in his throat. Yeah. <laughs> you just knew. He was mad because he didn't want my mom to call us. He didn't want my mom to tell his kids that he was sick. Yeah. Which is a crack of shit. Because if my mom wouldn't have fucking called me and he would have died, I would have been I would have never forgiven her. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I got there, he was mad that I was there. But, got over it. Um, <laughs> like, what are you going to fucking do? Uh, Fight me. <laughs> what are you going to do? I can take you, Dad. Uh, <laughs> but, everybody was hopeful. Mm-hmm. You know, my older brother was very much in denial. He mm-hmm. was like, he's going to be fine. We've been through this before because when I was like 12, mm-hmm. he was put into the hospital. And he was there for like four or five days. Mm-hmm. Uh he was never on life support. Yeah. And he was very against life support. Yeah. Uh, he never wanted to be on life support. That was one of his biggest things. He always told us this. Mm-hmm. I got there, and everybody was telling me, oh, we're going to move him off life support on Monday. He's going to, you know. hmm We think he'll be... They tried weaning him off of life support on Saturday. hmm But they had to put it... They couldn't because his oxygen levels were still too low. Yeah. And I was like, okay... I remember finally convincing my mom to go home, right? Mm-hmm. She hadn't been home for four days. She was at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I was like, you need to go home. You need to go home. You need to sleep. You need to eat. Like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's not fucking going anywhere. <laughs> he's not going to get up and leave. So I convinced my mom to go home. Mm-hmm. We went back to her their house. Mm-hmm. And it was... Two in the morning. Two or three. Mm-hmm. And I had finally fallen asleep. 
and my mom comes into the bedroom and she wakes me up and she goes, we need to leave. And I was like, it's two in the morning. Can you wait until fucking seven at least? I need to, <laughs> to fucking sleep. Yeah. And she was like, I just wanted to let you know that I'm leaving. And she was in the state. And I was like, you're not fucking driving anywhere. You're ridiculous. It's fucking two in the morning. <laughs> you're a reckless driver anyway. <laughs> And you're in some ridiculous emotional business right now. <laughs> ridiculous emotional business. So I fucking loaded her up in the backseat of the truck. Justin woke up and drove us all 45 minutes between Podunk and Reno. Wow. To the hospital. We got there and I was like, what the fuck's going on? Why are we here at two in the fucking morning in an ICU of a hospital that I'm starting to fucking hate? Yeah, right. Like, honestly... And we go in, and I'm sitting in this room. Nobody's told me what the fuck's going on. We're sitting in this hospital room. I'm watching him. Mm-hmm. Watch Rick and Morty on television. I've never seen that show. It's so fucking stupid, but it's good. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. We're watching fucking Rick and Morty, having a good time. My dad even laughed a couple times, sort of, through the tube. Um, <laughs> That's fucked up, but okay. And the nurse comes in. And talks to my mom and me, and my dad's obviously there. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, I know I told you and you were talking to my mom. Mm-hmm. He had apparently called my mom and told her that my dad asked to be taken off life support. <clears throat> and I was like, how did he fucking ask? He has a tube down his throat. I was bitter. I was like, he couldn't have fucking asked. He has a tube down his throat. Like, you can't ask. You yeah. can't fucking... Did you take the tube out so we could go, can you kill me? And then put the tube back in? <laughs> <laughs> can you kill me? <laughs> like, that's not a thing that happens. I was like, they're going to wean you. The entire time, I was like, they're weaning him off life support tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This was Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. They're weaning him off tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's... Fucking two in the morning. Mm-hmm. So technically today was the day that they're going to start weaning you off life support. Yeah. And the nurse goes, he's of sound mind and we can't go against his wishes. Even if one of us protests. Uh, and then they go, do you want to be in the room? And my mom is psycho and she was like, yeah, I'm not fucking <laughs> leaving. <laughs> She wanted to make sure they did everything right. She's a nurse. She's yeah, been a nurse yeah. for 20-something years. Like yeah. It's who she is. Or maybe she just wanted to see him die. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's fucked up. I mean, my mother would have... Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> so, they asked me if I wanted to be in there. And I didn't want to be in there, but I wasn't going to leave. Yeah. Because I'm morbid and weird. Yeah. So, they took the stupid tube out of his throat. And I literally sat there from 2 in the morning... And let me tell you, I feel like a dickhead, <laughs> like a lot, because I was really close to my dad and I loved him to death, but I was mad because he took too long to die. It was two in the morning and I hadn't slept, not really, and they took the tube out at like three, <clears throat> the doctor came in and said that they weren't doing dialysis, another doctor came in and said, you know what's going to happen, do you want us to turn these machines off? Because they showed his heart rate. Mm-hmm. And his oxygen levels, and they mm-hmm. beeped every time they dropped. Like, <laughs> do you want to turn the monitors off? And my mom is a psycho and went, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right. 
Like, I'll just sit here. That's fine. So around 10 o'clock, I swear to God, I feel like a douchebag. <laughs> because I was. I was really close to my dad, and I know this isn't going to sound like I am. But at one point, it was like 10 in the morning, and I was really fucking tired, and I went, can you just fucking die? <laughs> because I think it was a lot of it. <laughs> I think a lot of it was because I was angry that he was just giving up anyway. And I'm like, if you're going to fucking give up, can you give up a little bit fucking faster? Because I was raised that you don't quit. So if you're going to fucking quit, at least do it right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like, I just want to fucking go home and sleep. Just, just die already. Jesus. Oh my god. Justin was asleep in the fucking waiting room laying across like five chairs. That sounds about right. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bitter, like, tired. Yeah. Go to the waiting room. I remember everything happening. Mm-hmm. I remember leaving the room, which was, it didn't have a door, it was just a fucking curtain. <laughs> and That's not funny. Walking out, and they had to buzz me out. Like, the doors lock. Mm-hmm. Apparently both ways. <laughs> I didn't know that they locked both ways. I thought I could just fucking walk out. <laughs> well, apparently you can't. There was no nurse at the desk. I'm trying to leave. It's in slow motion. I'm dying. Because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reasons. Yeah. So I'm trying to fucking get out of this fucking place, and I'm trapped. <laughs> that's like, already nightmares and I'm like I'm in the ICU my dad's dead right over there in that room <laughs> that's not funny I don't know why I'm laughing <laughs> I have the nervous laughter this nurse the same one his name was Alex very attractive but I hate him uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay he, sorry Alex <laughs> he was walking out of another room mm-hmm. and I'm in tears like ugly crying yeah and I literally said, look, my dad's dead in that room. I'm in the ICU and I'm not quiet. Ever. I went, look, my dad's dead in that fucking room. Can I get out of here, please? And. That's so not funny. Because I was panicking. I yeah. Know what, oh, yeah. So he was, he looked like he was going to come up and, like, touch me and, like, <laughs> hug me or something and, like, try to talk talk me off this ledge. I'm like, I don't have a gun. I just want to leave. Like. <laughs> Like, I'm about to be fucking murdered by this little fucking tiny thing. I don't know. So he walks over to the nurse's desk and he just pushes this button and I leave. And I walked out of the fucking ICU and I slumped down into a fucking pile of a floor. <laughs> Alone! In the middle of the fucking hallway. And I'm like, where are all the people? Like, it was 10 in the morning. I know hospitals are busy. Like, I would have been grateful. I'm like, no, that's fine. Nobody come near me. <laughs> and I don't know how long I was there. Long enough to compo- recompose myself and then go into the <coughs> waiting room like everything was fine. As like, one does. <laughs> so there's the, date, the death day story. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you said it like you knew. Because, so... Uh, there's uh, well we don't have any time frame whatever um f- for me i think i told part of this maybe not i don't know in this episode <laughs> cool so for me what happened was um we got a call from our work on thursday night and they were basically like hey we're worried he hasn't shown up that's not really like him he didn't call in even to say he wasn't showing up so we're like, okay. So we drove down to where he lived. 
excuse me, I don't know why I have hiccups. We drove down to the motel where he lived and mom knocked on the door and she couldn't get an answer. And so she's like, come with me. Like I, the door is kind of loose. Like it wasn't, the bottom didn't bolt, but the top bolt was bolted. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, so she's knocking, she's trying to open it. She couldn't get it to open. Like he didn't answer. It was kind of like all quiet on the Western front. So we go home, we call his mother. We're like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Now for me, what all that said to me, the fact that he didn't answer his phone, the fact that he didn't answer his mother, the fact that he didn't answer the door, I knew he was dead. Mm. I was entirely, I was like, we're not going to find him. He's dead. Yeah. I was like, he's either dead or run away. And he's not that interesting to run away. So he's dead. He's not interesting enough. Well, and that was, the, I made a joke to you. I was like, well, he's not interesting enough to have been kidnapped. So he's dead. Mm -hmm. Like, I just knew. And it was, it was kind of that thing. Like you said, you didn't know how you knew. You just kind of knew. But it wasn't something, I, maybe that was my denial. I didn't fully admit it to myself. I was like, he's probably dead. I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do. We'll find out when we find out. I go to sleep and, um, the next morning or no, the next afternoon, you know, it was my weekend. It was Friday. I spend my Fridays catching up on sleep because I wake up at four 30 in the morning to go to work at five 30. So I like my sleep on my weekends. So I basically sleep uh, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but I tend to sleep like the majority of the afternoon because I'm just like, I don't fucking have anything better to do. So you I just, I nap. Yeah. I love a good nap. I'll wake up in the morning and then go out on the couch and lay back down and take a nap. I probably stay up for maybe an hour or two and then end up going back to sleep. But anyway, so I was asleep and I woke up because I had to pee and I was feeling just like very like off. I don't know how to explain it better than that, but I heard my phone ringing. And I was like, what the fuck? Now you have to understand, and this may not make it into the final edit, um, but I had just changed my ringtone for general people that is from a internet rapper. And the song is called Fucked Your Dad. Because, you know, I'm a big fan of yes. older men. Um, so I'm hearing this song ringing really fucking inappropriate so my cousin is calling and I was like okay what the hell like I hadn't talked to her in quite some time and she's crying at me and she's like sissa your dad passed away and I was like what the fuck are you talking about like I'm like what so you did do with your denial a little bit I was like what the fuck are you talking about she's like your dad passed away and I was like oh okay uh, the next thing I know, I'm being handed over to a coroner and they're like, you know, your aunt is here. What do you want us to do with your dad's stuff? I was like, I don't fucking know. It's not on my top priority right at this moment. So everyone's talking at me and telling me all these things and like just all this stuff. And I'm just like, y'all need to stop talking to me because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about because I could not process anything. I was like, I need to talk to my mother. And so I was talking to my cousin and I was like, um, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to go. I have to call my mother and I need her here. So I'm going to go. She's like, okay, call me back if you need anything, blah, blah, blah. So I hung up. Never called her back. Called my mother. <laughs> and mind you, this was like 1.30 in the afternoon. So I was like, 
she was probably on her last break, I think. And so I was like, um, I was trying to call her and she wouldn't answer. And I was like, fuck. So I called up our works call out number. And I was like, I need to speak to uh, a manager in Henderson. They're like, well, we can't normally do that. I said, it's an emergency. She's like, who do you want to talk to? I was like, thank you. I'll talk to this manager. Because she's like the center manager. So her phone rings, 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 goes to voicemail. I was like, motherfucker. Nobody is answering right now. Of course, this is my life right now. So I'm like, I have no idea how else to talk to her. And I was like, oh, wait, Hangouts. Because we communicate at work on Hangouts. So I instant message her. I just go, he's dead. I need you home now. Mm-hmm. And she calls me up not 10 minutes later, like hyperventilating, crying. She's like, oh my God, how did you find out? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I was like, my cousin just called me. He is dead. I need you home now. Like, that was all I could say. And of course, you know, my mother's crying. So I'm crying because she's crying because I am the sort of person I cannot see my mother cry without sobbing. I can't see anybody. Well, I, certain my people. My mom, your mom, and my brothers are higher up yeah. on the scale yeah. of I can't see you crying. Yeah. Certain people, like, I can see you crying and I'm not. That's because I cry a lot. Though. I get, I get sad for you, but I'm not going to start crying. But my, no, my mother gets sad a lot too. But the <laughs> difference is. I, I don't know what the difference is. I just, I cannot see my mother crying without crying myself. I've never been able to. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's sobbing. I'm sobbing. It's a fucking mess. She's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go find a manager. I'm going to leave. So she does that. And I'm just sitting at home or standing. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So I'm pacing the living room like a fucking maniac. And they gave me a number to Heights. So I called up Heights and the woman I talked to, I'm entirely certain is the woman who was a bitch to me that following Monday. But on Friday, she was really nice. She was like, I'm so, so sorry. I was like, it's fine. She's like, well, we don't have anyone by that name. You're going to have to, you know, call back or check the other funeral home, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I was told by the coroner it's you. So I know for a fact it's you guys. You just don't have him yet. And I guess come to find out later, he had just left to the funeral home so they didn't even check him in i guess there's a whole procedure i don't know so i was like okay so that was on friday um so you came over cat came over our other friend who lost their father came over and my mother and we all just kind of hung out and ate and laughed and joked and were ridiculous because that's what you do Mm -hmm. and that was that day Saturday, I was like, well, it's still my day off. I don't know what the hell to do. So I just kind of sat around the house, did a whole bunch of nothing. Sunday was my first official work day. And I was like, I debated whether or not I wanted to call out because I was like, I both do not want to deal with work, but also need things to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. So I went to work and... Um, you know, a bunch of my work friends already knew because our boss had sent out an email to the entire center, but one of my friends who I was really, really close to, you know, was also going through their own thing. And he's like, Oh, I had a terrible weekend. And I was like, okay, shoot. Cause I was like, I did too. And he was like telling me about his weekend. And I was like, okay. And he's like, well, what about you? Why was your weekend bad? I was like, Oh, my dad died. He's like, fuck. <laughs> 
Like, he felt so terrible. I'm like, no, it's fine. You it's know? It's fine. This is fine. But I I was like, I we both had a shitty weekend. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm sorry that you also had a shitty weekend. But, you know, that just happens. I didn't mean to trump your shitty weekend. It's just kind of what happened. Uh, now you're winning. Yeah, right. I'm sorry I won the bad weekend. Um, So that was my week. And mind you, Friday and Saturday were the longest days of my life. And this March has been the longest March of my life. Hmm because of everything we've had to deal with and just the whole the whole nonsense and drama and conflama and so yeah the drama the drama so yeah that is that is the first little oh did you have more no oh I was thinking about the premise of the first episode that we didn't cover, like, really. We did. I think we covered dark humor. I think we covered grieving. Yeah, I guess. I, you know, it's it's a multi, it's a multi-episodal arc, I think, this show, because it's hard to cover one topic at a time when this is such a... Complex thing. Complex, yeah. It's a complex subject. It's a complex issue. And I think there's a lot to go through. And a lot to kind of figure out together. And really my hope for this show is to, you know, sort of work through our grieving and work through our feelings about everything and talk about these things. I would love if other people who have had experiences of losing a parent, doesn't have to be your dad, you know, could write in to us at asksissa at narcissadeville.com. Link will be in all the descriptions of this video or not this video. I'm so used to doing vlogs of in this, this video podcast you can't see. of this podcast. I may put it up on YouTube just to have it there too. Um, but, I, you know, I do want to share that because I want people to be able to um, you know, share their stories as well and be able to kind of, I don't want to say commiserate, but I think that's kind of what I'm thinking of. And just kind of to share our experiences because this is, I feel like for people who have not lost a parent, it, there's a lot of things you say and do and it's well-meaning, but it's like the whole thing of people asking, how are you feeling? It's, it's well-meaning, but it's irritating. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the question of how I'm doing or how I'm coping, it just becomes very irritating because you just feel like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. It's just sort of happening. So, um, yeah, that was our first episode. That was our episode on grieving. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, thank you always to Adrienne for being my co-host and sharing and crying sharing. with me. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Bye. bye.